Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Fat Man Scoop, the undisputed voice of the club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Man Scoop, Cork McClam, Internets. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go, Internets. Let's turn up one time, Premium Pete. Come on, everybody, get set. Let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up. It's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low, listen to the show. Show cause milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internets, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting down here, okay? Let me tell you something. When she was on the phone before we started the episode, she was talking to uh, CNN, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, she don't even got to worry about the Premium Pete Show. She's talking to CNN. Anyway, she said something that really stuck out to me, and we had you on before. Uh, rest in peace to our brother, Combat Jack. Um, and, and, you know, you said that you went from being an intern to the executive vice president. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy. Like, when you really hear stuff like that, you know, it's like, like people, I, you know, I think like that in this day and age, I think people want to, like, want to be that that quick. Like, meaning like, you know, how does that happen? Like, anyone could picture. Mm-hmm. But that's not something that happened overnight. Yeah, anyway, listen, internet, Shanti does, uh, uh, I would say, besides uh, author, entrepreneur, um, uh, I want to say, uh, you know, a very heartfelt person I've been following, uh, over the years, just not only just on, on, you know, your talks and it's about suicide and mental health and, you know, where, uh, you have, a uh, silence to shame and we'll get to that. But anyway, listen, how does it happen where you become an intern to executive <laughs> vice president? Cause I know it sounds so like, like quick to say that, but that's something that probably took years of. Oh, for of, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I went to Syracuse University, um, and I majored in television, television, radio, and film. And I started doing a lot of work at Syracuse because I knew I wanted to work in the music mm. business. So I had my own like hip hop show. I was assistant at Syracuse at Syracuse yeah, at no. Z eighty nine. I was assistant college radio. Director. Yeah, college radio. I was assistant promotions director. You know, back then we didn't have the internet. We didn't even have computers. We had word processors. So like, I literally would write up re- album reviews and work for a little. Um, publication on campus called The Happenings. So anything that I could do to get involved in music to educate myself. And I started going to music conventions. Like I snuck into Jack the Rapper Mm. (laughs) for all the young guns. That was a a really big convention back in the day that all the label heads went to and artists performed at. And um, the, you know, just all the different ones that I could go to trying to ingrain myself in the entertainment culture. And so I interned at Capitol Records in Atlanta in 1991. So you were born in Atlanta? Yeah, born and raised. And, And to mom and dad? So my dad, my mom was is black. My father's Indian. Okay. Um, and it's weird. They met as pen pals, but he pen took pals. his own life. It's a true story. He was in the Royal uh, British Navy. Okay. And uh, he was in a magazine, said he was lonely. My mom had, I don't know how she found this publication in Atlanta, and she started writing to him. Mm. They wrote for a couple years and- From perfume on the letters? I guess. Mm-hmm. And then my mom got engaged to somebody else. Really? Crazy. So you didn't grow up, did you know your dad growing no, up? No, he, he took his own life when I was seven months old. Damn. Yeah. That's kind of how the whole silence Yes, thing, yes. Thing yes. I'll I, I, I be honest with you, even, you know, you look at it, it's obviously a very- you know, tragic moment to lose your father yeah. at that young, even though, you know, you're so, you don't yeah. even know, but I love, 
I love shit like that. And what I mean by that is like I see sometimes uh, people had an issue with something mm-hmm. and then they start a business and they named the LLC after that. Or mm-hmm. like, you know, it's I, I love seeing things that, that, that evolve like that. Oh, yeah. Like where it's like, you but know. That's you, what life is yeah. about, right? It's like connecting the dots. And you never know. It's not a straight path always to connecting the dots. But that was a dot that came back around in my life and I had to figure out how to put the pieces together. So growing up, you know, uh, you know, I have a 19 year old daughter, so, you know, I, and, and I'm, I preach all the time, presence over presence, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I was, a, you know, uh, away uh, years ago and uh, really realizing the importance of being there for your kids and how many men uh, aren't there for the kids. And mm-hmm. I, I used to say this all the time. And so growing up a daughter, having a 19 year old daughter, uh, you know, I was divorced when she was two, so I was very aware of being there for her mm-hmm. and how much it means to for a daughter to have a father. Yeah. Like, that, did that affect you growing up, uh, not Trem- having a father? Tremendously. Um, I always wanted to be daddy's little girl. Mm. And my mother told me that for the seven months that I did have on this earth with my father, every day he would come from, home from work and I would lay on his chest. So, like, we created this instant bond. And when my dad, you know, passed away or took his own life mom my mom said I cried for like two weeks straight they Mm. couldn't calm me down and I was longing for my dad so a lot of people would say oh you never met your dad so you know it's not that bad you know it shouldn't be that tough to get over and I'm like actually it's worse because like I don't have any memory of my father and then I so I had two siblings and I have one um, but my siblings knew him and I always felt a way like, well, why'd they get to know him or why they even have a photo? I don't they, have a they, picture they were, with yeah, him. They were older. They were older. Yeah. But still for me, you know, that hurt, um, for a long time. And I think that also affected me with relationships. So I kind of shied away from having any ser- serious relationships because I thought that the men would leave me. What about kids? I've never had kids. I'm not married. I was the career girl. Mm. You know, you you asked me how I went from intern to EVP. I worked my butt off and I don't necessarily condone that, but I was just so focused on getting in the game and staying in the game and doing it the right way that, you know, I worked like 18, 19 hour days easy. You know, I started my first official job out of college was LaFace Records. First record I ever worked was Players Ball, mm, mm. which is kind of cool to say now because I, I I do think arguably Outcast is one of the best. Sure, sure, of absolutely. <clears throat> but you know, I would go from the office to the studio to a dinner meeting to the club. You know, I'm taking 12 inches. You know, I was that girl taking the 12 inches to the strip club, trying to get you know the music played in Atlanta. Get the vinyl, uh, yes, get the vinyl played. Right. You know, when you when you think about it, you, you, your sisters, how how much older? Uh, so you? my sister was eight years old and my brother was five. And did they and tell you memories of pops like that? Oh, sure. I mean, they said my dad was a loving father. Um, and who knows? He didn't leave a note. I don't know why he took his own life. Um, that's still a cloud, you know, over our heads. But maybe he wanted to go back to India, and my mom didn't. I don't know. But um. He loved us very much. Yeah. And that also kind of prompted me over the years to want to learn more about mental health, but I just kind of buried it all and act like it didn't happen. Well, I'm glad you're doing it now. You know, being able to help others is a, a special, like, that's the thing, too. Like, some people want to be rich. I don't know. We live in a world sometimes now where I feel like people want to be flashy and show watches and shit oh, like yeah. that. And that's cool. There ain't nothing wrong with it. But the point I'm making is, I always say this, and from Brooklyn, mm-hmm. being a Brooklyn kid, I always say, we always were concerned about 
uh, looking good, not being good. Listen, I was yeah. that girl, though. Yeah. You know, I worked in the game. You know how it was. Yeah, yeah. back, in, Especially in the 90s, yeah. I like to call it like the glory days. Yeah, yeah. You go to the clubs, you want the hot whip, you want the Chanel bag or the Gucci or I'm going to the Grammys or MTV Awards. You know, I wanted to look as good as the artist. So yeah. I spent a lot of money and... Pissed away a lot of money that I probably should have been stacking and buying real, you know, real estate. Sure, sure. Um, but you know, it is what it is. But I, I finally feel like now I kind of know what my purpose is, and I'm cool with not having as much and taking on a life that's going to affect people, um, and their souls. Sure, sure. You know, and their health. And 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 you know, need them. And I think you know, we were talking off air of how important. Uh, mental health is, uh, to, and and when I say how important, meaning to discuss it, right. to uh, face it, to to get help for it, to talk about, it, to have a therapist. You know, no, no. I, I was like, yo, th- getting a therapist today is kind of trendy. You know, where mm-hmm. years ago, you know, even you spoke about like, you know. Praising God, sometimes people used to, right, you know, yeah. be like, you know, like look at it like weird. Now it's like, you know, being healthy, uh, being aware of what you put in your body, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, going to see a therapist. Like, you know, back in the day, you know, I remember like saying you're going to see a therapist. People look at you like there was something wrong with you. Or they may laugh at you. And now it's like, you know, like it's important to, you know, see that even for yourself. You know, Absolutely. like there's a lot of things that uh, just to talk to someone, you know what I realized too, like I grew up and, 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 you know, uh, I've been lucky to have a lot of uh, good people around me, mm-hmm. but you don't need to bog everybody down with your own problems. That's mm-hmm. why it's important to have a therapist too, exactly. because people have their own issues That's true. and, and, and sometimes people look for you to uh, uh, just listen to them. That's right. But sometimes people look for you to side with them. Mm-hmm. And when you get a, a, a therapist, it's like it's neutral obje- grounds. That's yeah. right. Yeah. They're objective. But I also will say sometimes people, see, it's a blessing that you knew you needed it, right? And you went and got the help. But some people don't even know how to express that, right? And so even when I'm like giving talks, and I, I talk to students and speak at different um, companies across the country, Sometimes you need a starting five is what I like to call it, mm. like in the NBA. Mm. Like sure, who, sure. Who's in your starting five? Is it your brother? Is it your coworker? Is it your homeboy? Is it your homegirl? Is it your pastor? Whatever it is, you need some people that you can call on just to listen, like you said. And that's the thing about mental health. Like you can't come from a judgmental perspective. Sometimes people just need that ear so that they can get it off their chest. Sure. And then you can kind of assess the situation and help them and encourage them to get treatment afterwards. But that's why so many people suffer in silence sure. because they don't have anybody to talk to sure. before they can even get to the step of going to see a therapist. You know, when you speak about being an intern right, mm-hmm. and being in the music industry for so many years, how many years? Like uh, 20 years? Right? Over 25 years. Fuck. For sure. yeah. God damn. Yo, you I was know. at the labels for 20, but then when I... Walked away in 09 and moved back to Atlanta and started doing independent consulting. It's crazy because there's so many people, even like I just had Drew Har on a couple of episodes again Mm -hmm. from Duck Down and like they're 25 (laughs) years in. And you think about like, you know, uh, (laughs) just just how, you know, people are still, I'm glad to just see people still here. But people listening uh, that know you, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to hope that they get to know a little bit more about you. Uh, People listening who don't know you, uh, I want them to get to know you only because I feel like, uh, you know, you have learned how to evolve and, and, and that's not, I don't want to say reinvent themselves, because sometimes reinventing yourself, sometimes doing almost everything different, mm-hmm. but evolving and being able to uh, adapt and still be uh, important in this world that and we relevant. live in. And relevant, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so so when you think about, like, internship, right? And mm-hmm. and I remember, this is a big story, in 
internship and people working for free. And, yep. you know, there's a lot of uh, controversy about that, um, you know, and, and then sometimes you think about like moments, you know, where, you know, to be a fly on the wall, to be mm -hmm. a sponge. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing, you know, that, that I'll ask you is this, is me growing up, being around, sometimes being an intern, sometimes some bosses look at you like, and, you know, they, I don't think they could picture you to be as high as, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like, did you feel that ever happened in some? Not really, because I think I was really ambitious. I wasn't afraid to ask questions. So, like, early on, like, I, I can't explain it, but I had kind of a different level of respect. Now, if somebody asked me to go make 10 copies or grab coffee, I would do that too. But I was always trying to bring ideas to the table. If we were at conferences, you know, if I was an intern, I wasn't afraid to raise my hand and ask the question to sure. like whoever the big executive from Island Records or Columbia or whatever. Because I was like, this is my shot to get them to notice me. Number sure. one, I always prepared my questions because I didn't want to be the intern asking the dumb questions. Because sometimes we don't do the homework. Sure. You know, we don't come prepared. So... I didn't give them a reason to look at me like the silly little intern. I was like, y'all going to know me one day. Mm. I'll never forget being in the lobby of Jack the Rapper. And you know, back in the day, like the lobby was the sure, place to sure, be at those sure. conferences. So I ran up on Russell Simmons one day and I was like, you know, this is when he was at the height of his game, you know, prior to everything, you know, that has transpired recently. But I still think Russell was one of our great leaders. Sure, sure. It's a piece the of the puzzle, a big piece Absolutely. of the puzzle. And so Def Jam was popping at the time, and I was like, yo, you don't know who I am, but one day I'm going to make my mark in this game, and you will know me. And he kind of looked at me, and then by the end of the conference, I ran back into him, and he was like, yo, I seen you networking and doing your thing. I, I see you. He was like, keep it up. You're going to be something in this business one day. And he probably don't even remember that, but just those kind words that he offered to sure. me. Because I was always going up trying to introduce myself, and I think – Sometimes people now, especially with the internet and YouTube and being an overnight sensation, like people just want it like they want to go from zero to a thousand, not even zero to 60. Sure. And I really took pride in the grind and the hustle. And, you know, I didn't feel a, you know, a certain way, but I always asserted myself and I kept myself humble because a lot of times, even sometimes it, interns feel like, you know, I'm the shit because I'm an intern, but you, you're just getting your foot in the door. Sure, like, relax. Sure, sure. Learn the game. Take it all in. Like you said, being a sponge, a fly on the wall. Like, I got excited about all that kind of stuff. So I think it, it set me up so that people looked at me like, okay, this kid actually is serious about getting in this game. And she comes to the table prepared. You yeah, know? she wasn't looking to take selfies with uh, different people in the room. Well, back then, nobody was really doing selfies. But when you think, do, do you remember your intern days? Do you think of a moment where you're like, holy shit, like this is a, a real special moment? Because that's what internships be where should be where like you're happy to be there. Mm -hmm. That you learn, you know, you learn like there's a lot of people in this world. And I get it. Some jobs are just day jobs. And I always tell people, use your day job to fuel your dream job. Oh, yeah. But, you know, some people are like, yo, it's 5 p.m. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. And I see that. And, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I freelance on a lot of networks. And, it's, you know, I've seen a couple of people like I was like, yo, uh, uh, what happened with that uh, podcast? Did you, you know, what's where's the script for it? And he's like, yo, it's 5 p.m. And I was like. And I turned around to the guy who owns it, and I just mm -hmm. looked at him. And I was like, and he was like, "Yo, some people want to be, uh, you know, m you know, here for it because you know what it is. You know why I say this? It's not about hours. And I've been freelancer for years, and I know you've been, you know, mm -hmm. moving and grooving. 
it's not about hours. It's about getting something off the ground, Absolutely. being a part of something, right? You know, to think of like, even like right now, you know, I, I work on a bunch of food stuff or different type of projects mm-hmm. where it's not a time where it's like in five o'clock, like, yo, I'm not working. It's the right. weekend right. because I'm trying to get the skin in the game. So I got to prove. Of course. You got to reprove yourself. That's right. You know, but. But I think we're talking about internship, but was there a moment where you, uh, do you remember a story where you were like, holy shit, like this is amazing that I'm here, you know? So two, two, two um, instances, like, it's funny, when I was interning at Capitol Records, um, Tisha Campbell Martin, yep. was actually, she was on Martin at the time, and we know that show was on yep. fire back then, and the ra- radio regional rep, I, I saw an itinerary on his desk, and I was like, oh, snap, Tisha Campbell's coming to the market. I was like, yo, can I roll with you? I was like, I'll do whatever. I'll make copies. I'll, you know, hold the CDs, whatever. And so he let me roll with them the entire time. And Tisha and her mom, like, gave me so much praise and told him, and they told my boss, like, yo, she was amazing. They actually wanted me on the entire promo tour that week. So, like, I ended up hanging out with him for, like, four days straight. They were like, we love the way she handles herself. She's so professional. And I wasn't even a real employee. So, that was kind of dope. <laughs> and, and, and the irony is she's so one of my— just an intern there. She's one of my best friends, though, to this day. That's classic. And, and we got, you know, really Shout close. Shout And then the other time was LaFace Records was their, their original building— was in the same office space that Capitol Records was in in Atlanta. So, like, I met this young lady named Charlotte Asbury, who was, like, L.A. Reed's assistant. And instead of taking coffee breaks, I would take LaFace breaks. Mm, mm. And I What does like, that mean? Meaning I would go up and just hang out and soak up everything I could because I was just so in awe with what they were doing. I think the Boomerang soundtrack was out at that time. They had released this artist named Damien Dame, and they were, like, the buzz company in the city of Atlanta. So to be able to come back and work for them out of college was pretty cool. So I started like laying the groundwork, you know, when I was an intern because I knew I wanted to work at LaFace. Sure. Do you remember the first time meeting Babyface, man? <clears throat> so I I do, but the story is the first time I met L.A. Reed. Okay. Start I was in there. college. Yeah. I was still an intern okay. at Capitol Records, but I went to D.C. to see a homegirl of mine who um, was just there for a summer program. So this was before cell phones. So I was in line uh, at the airport, or not in line, but at the luggage carousel. Okay. And I'm short. So my luggage, I see it going around, and I couldn't get it. You know how bags be packed up on each other? So my luggage came back around, and I tapped this guy on the shoulder, and I was like, yo, can you get my luggage? And he turned around and looked at me. It was a man in a suit. And he let the luggage go around again. So the third (laughs) time, I was like, yo, dude, like, I I can't, can you get my luggage? Three minutes later, I go to use the pay phone to tell my homegirl I was there and I had my luggage. I seen, like, all of these, like, sky caps. It was, like, five guys. It was, like, something from coming to America. All this Louis Vuitton trunks and luggage. It was L.A. Reed mm-hmm. that I had asked to get my luggage. <laughs> so when I did the interview, he— re- No, actually, before that, I ran into him in the elevator while I was still at Capitol Records. He was like— you the long lady that asked me to get your luggage. So, like, to this day, he always tells that story of how we got to He's like, I'm not getting your luggage. But he said, I like you because you were assertive. You you weren't afraid to ask for what you wanted. And, you know, he respected that about me. He was like, you're not this little shy girl. He was like, I, I need somebody like that on my team who can get who can move my records and, you know, market the product. So it was kind of dope. That's crazy how that could uh, yeah. go down. Now, what about uh, Babyface? Babyface, you know, he was Babyface at the time. So I think I was a little bit more nervous when I met him. And he didn't 
stay in the office that much. He was more so in Los Angeles and LA was kind of the day-to-day person. So I was a little nervous when I met Kenny initially, but he's a big old teddy bear. He's a super nice guy. I mean, one of the most uh, talented. Nice, humble and genuine people you want to meet. That dude, man, I mean, is a legendary. He's a musical genius. So it was, you know, kind of like when I first met Prince that. You can't just run over that, you know, like how the fuck did that happen? So I was working. This was like I was a senior VP. I okay. had earned my stripes. You already. I, I said you were already. You already moved on up. Yeah, like company I, card. Donnie Einer hired me probably in two thousand one or two thousand two to work at Columbia Records. And Jermaine Dupri is a good friend of mine. So Jermaine shout had Soso Def. Yeah, shout out to JD. He had Soso Def Records over there at the time, and I had just left Arista. So when you know Donnie said he was thinking about signing Prince, and you know Prince was anti-label for a while. But he was looking to maybe do a one-album deal with a major record company. And I was like, yo, Donnie, I'm the biggest Prince fan. All I'm saying that if you sign him, give me a shot at doing the marketing. So, you know, weeks went on. <laughs> one day I get a call, and it was Donnie's assistant. She was like, Donnie needs you. Get your ass up here right now. She probably didn't say ass. But she was like, get up here right now. Because, of course, he was on the top floor in the Sony building. So I'm, like, nervous and sweating bullets. Like, oh, snap, did I do something? You know, what's wrong? So I come up there. Um, she was like, get in there. He's waiting for you. So the door into Donnie's office was like closed halfway. So I was like, dang, do I knock? Do I, you know? So I kind of peeked in and it, it was Prince and Donnie in the uh. office, just the two of them. I froze. I, I, for the first time in my career, and I've worked with some pretty high profile artists, but I was such a Prince fan that I literally froze in my tracks. And Donnie's in the back going, I got you, I got you. And so Prince was like, you going to come in? And so then I had to snap back into <laughs> VP mode. I'm like, okay, yes, yes, yes. So he went right into, he's like, okay, I got this video that I want I want to play for you. I want to get your opinion. I'm sitting going, yo, Prince wants to fucking know my opinion about his video. And and at that can't moment. can't be life. Yeah, like at that moment I was like, okay, I've done something right in this game. I think so. Hey, listen, from an intern to executive vice president, there's so many other things. You know, this is a. A question that I'm sure you get a lot. And uh, we're in a day and age that uh, a lot of things are changing. As a father of a 19-year-old daughter, you know, I only want more and more for women as mm-hmm. far as being equal. Absolutely. Uh, equal pay. Like, Which is not, wasn't yeah. the case. Now, yeah. yeah. And I know you're very honest, but how tough was it being a woman in the music you know, business? I mean, it was very tough. You know, I felt like we always had to be 10 steps ahead of our male counterparts especially as it related to equal pay. Um, You know, there was a time where there were a lot of people getting production deals, you know, at LaFace Records, and I felt like it was a lot of men getting those deals. And I remember uh, telling L.A., because L.A., he did um, show me a lot of of respect because he said I had a good ear. And L.A. was, if anyone knows L.A. Reed, he's very serious about his music. Like, he's a music man first. But he started letting me come into the A&R meetings because he thought I had a good ear. And so I was like, yo, L.A., I, I think I want my own production company or my own artist. And so, you know, I talked to him and he said, OK, go out and find your artist and then come back and we'll talk. So I did my homework and I told him I had found my artist and I probably since spent six months, you know, building that relationship. I put my own money out. I got myself an attorney. LA was like, well, talk to the legal department at LaFace. I had done the paperwork. It was signing day. I took the demo tape, because it was cassette tapes back then, back in the LA's office. And he was like, okay, okay, let's play it. 
He was like, I don't hear it. And I was like, well, wait, hold up now. What do you mean you don't hear it? And it ended up being ludicrous. So needless to say, Luda went on because he had other people interested. So he went on to Def Jam. But I just felt like all these other dudes was getting a shot. I didn't know if it was because I was a girl. And I'm not saying that that's why L.A. didn't sign him. I just don't think for whatever reason that demo tape resonated with him that day. But I just felt like all the other male guys or producers were getting opportunities and it was just tough for women and you know, you fast forward to going to a city like New York. When we sold LaFace Records, I ended up coming to New York and... That was part of the deal? No, it wasn't necessarily part of the deal. I mean, they sold it and we just had to figure out what was next. I was fortunate, though, that he asked me to come. <clears throat> LA asked me to move um, to New York and work at Arista because he replaced Clive Davis. But, like, the pay wasn't the same. And... I ended up having to go out and get an attorney to negotiate. And when I learned of what some of the other guys in New York and other places were making with the same title, it was definitely less than what I was making. And so as a woman, you know, I had to figure out, you know, how do I compete with these guys? And I knew that you had to get an attorney, you sure. know, that spoke their language. And sure. so, you know, I learned the hard way, but I always stood my ground. And the one thing I feel like, and I don't think this is just in music, women sometimes we're just happy to have the opportunity and we don't want to rock the boat. Whereas men will ask for what they want out sure, the gate. Sure. And it might be some ridiculous shit, but they'll go ahead and ask for it and see where they land. Whereas women sometimes can be a little timid or nervous or shy. And so I just started being really vocal about what I thought my value was. And, you you know, women and men, but women in particular, we have to be unapologetic about what our value and our worth is. And I think that's what sustained me and allowed me to make, you know, what I made at the time and even get to EVP because it wasn't even a lot of women that were EVPs at that time. So I'm grateful, you know, that I just stood my ground. I had a lot of positive women in my life to 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 surround myself with and particularly even my sister who came from corporate America. And she was like, you can't be scared. You just got to go in there, work twice as hard because that's the unfortunate reality that we have and, and stand your ground and know your worth. Yeah. Now, you know, it's crazy when you say things like that. And, we, you know, again, I said, I'm sure it's a question you had to, so many women had to answer over the years, but how do you feel now? Like, do you feel that there's a possibility that, you know, the next generation can start to see, can we see equal pay? You know, like, will will, will we be around to see it? I, I mean, I think there are definitely strides being made. Um, I think even... Some corporations realize, even with the Me Too movement, sure. you know, fortunately, unfortunately, how people see that um, they're forcing people to take a, a different look at women, right, to kind of see their value and for what they're worth. Um, you know, shout out to Ethiopia, who's the president of yep. Motown. She was actually, she shadowed me like an intern, believe it or not, when she was in high school. Really? And to see her now as president, like, um, it's like a proud parent, you know, I'm so proud of her and Felicia Fant, who also I mentored when we were at Universal. She's now co-president of Black Music with Columbia. So Sylvia Rohn just got promoted, yep. you know, to chairman over at um, Epic. And I'm so proud of her and, you know, having worked under her. So I think women are making strides, certainly in the entertainment business. You know, it's 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 beautiful to hear you be so proud. But do you feel like every, uh, you know... I know you can't speak for everybody else, but I'm saying, do you feel like a lot of women are proud for each other? Because Some, you know, reason, but it's, I mean, it's like anything else. You got some people hating too. Yeah, because the reason why I say that for is like, even like I was telling my daughter, especially 
in this generation. I mean, just I remember bringing my daughter uh, and her friends to Fridays, like a couple of them, and then just being in the back, like you know, bashing, like, oh my god, like I hate Rebecca, she's so annoying, I hate the way. And I was like, oh, I, yeah, and it's like sometimes girls are very tough on girls. Who are you yeah, telling? Yeah. So it's I got like some stories yeah, for you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I won't necessarily say the name of the labels, but when I moved up to New York, one of the jobs I was at, like, this is a true story. It was three girls and one guy in the department. And so when I um, got brought into the company, I was brought in at the VP level, but I didn't have the staff reporting to me, right? And so it was kind of like the the um, my boss was giving everybody the chance to kind of see who would rise up, right? So then after six months, I got offered the department they had a, a breakfast meeting the day after I got my promotion to figure out how to get me fired. How the hell did you find day that one, out? Day one. I mean, you know, people talk. It is what it is. <laughs> but I was like, at first, you know, I could have fired them all because that's what, you know, yeah, people yeah, for sure. come into labels. For they sure. bring their own regime. That happens every day in record companies. But I'm not that girl. And I was like, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to give them an opportunity to get to know me. And some of them were really good. I, you know, when promotion time came around, I gave them promotions and they couldn't figure it out. Like, why wasn't I being a bitch and why wasn't I, you know, taking a, a low road? But I wasn't raised like that. I was sure. raised to take the high road. And I was a different chick. I was a Southern Belle coming into New York, but I wasn't a pushover. Mm -hmm. um, and I never got fired from any of my jobs because um, I took my job serious. But mm -hmm. spit the accolades, spit the accolades. I like what you said. <laughs> and I never got fired, you know. And fortunately, I've I've only been hired by presidents or chairmen. Yeah, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm well, very you, fortunate in that regard. You built a a, a great uh, you know legacy. When you think about, it, I always tell people this too. When they sit down, they don't understand. Sometimes when you're living your own life and you're living your own journey, you don't realize mm -hmm. how crazy or amazing or inspiring oh, yeah. it's been yeah. to other people. Like, you know, sometimes I, I, I sit down with so many different people. I've sat down with so many, so many different people and, and, and they'll say like, you know, how's the episode doing? Do the people care? Do the people like it? And, <laughs> and they don't realize how inspiring it's been, you know, and especially even what you're doing now. So you know? I was just always one of those women though, that I wanted to lift as I climbed. I didn't want to be that chick that knocked other people down. Cause I saw it so much in the business. And, you know, I'm proud to say that I have a lot of mentees that are still in the game doing well. And those that hated me, I see them, I smile. You know, I know who didn't like me, but those people have no effect over my life. Sure. You know, and so having a strong support system of family and friends in the A kind of helped me navigate a lot of the foolishness. First time game. you met uh, uh, Usher, did you, did you think he was that talented that he is? I mean, the guy is, what do you think about it? You know. yeah, I think we met, uh, she was 14 years old. Fuck. And he had a song when I first got to the label. He already had a song out called Call Me a Mac. Mm -hmm. And I was like, who is this cute little kid? You know, and, you know, I knew that probably in a short amount of time that this kid was special because he had a work ethic like nobody's business. He would rehearse constantly anytime we needed to do a show. And I toured a lot with him, like, on the first album. So he would perform at all these hole-in-the-wall clubs. He didn't let it get him down. Because, you know, you go, you're an artist. Even if you're not a big name, you, you know, you still sure. got an ego. Sure. You got 20 people in the club. You might not want to do that show. But Usher was like, whatever, let's get it done. He wanted it so, so bad. And I even remember when... LA and the crew decided he should come up to New York and hang out with Puff for a while. So we moved him up to New York. He lived with Puff for like six months, got a little swag in him. 
Shiny suits. You know. Um, <laughs> and to this day, you Did know. Did Puff charge for that? No. He, you know, he was like his big brother. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I watched that kid grow. We always knew he was going to be special. But in all fairness to him, I think he was trying to figure out where he fit into the label. Because when he got there, you know, TLC was doing their thing. Tony was making a wave. And then Outkast made a big splash. And so Usher wanted to make sure that... You know, he got the attention that he deserved and he got that attention by perfecting his craft and being so good that like, nope, you nobody could deny him. You know, he eventually was going to be a priority in the company amidst even in the midst of all the superstars that were happening. You know, he made a way for himself and made everybody in the company go, wow, this kid is special. Mm. Been amazing to see his journey, man. Oh, for sure. Now, was LaFace the biggest label where you had so many people on that you were involved in? I would them? probably say so. Cause I, Who LaFace, was there? Who was La- there? Was uh, Usher? It was Usher, Tony Braxton. TLC. TLC. We had um, the Tony Rich Project. We had this group called As Yet. Yeah. And then, yo, we signed Pink. I remember being in the meeting where um, it. she came from a group. So it was three girls. Um I think, what are they called? Choice? I can't remember their names, but it was crazy because L.A. asked us to come in and check out the showcase. And, you know, the other girls were cool, but everybody was like, who is she? Mm. She's the star. We all knew that Pink was a star. It's crazy how how she turned out to to be. Amazing. Oh, oh my God. You know, when we talk about silence to shame, right, and we Mm -hmm. talk about mental health, and as we touched on, you know, therapy and stuff like that, do you think... uh, you know, some people like genetics are, are born with mental health issues. Do you think that's possible? So I'm def- I'm an advocate, you know, not a clinician. But what I've been told from some psychiatrists is that it could be genetics. Like if, you know, depression runs in your family. Because behavioral health, some people call mental health, you know, behavioral health. And we all have behavioral health or mental health. We may not have a mental illness. But you have to look at the patterns, right, that run in the family. Um, And I don't know what tests may exist, but I do know that depression can run in families and other mental illnesses. Mm. What about, like, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, go through depression, you know, and it's it's one thing I do like about social media is where at least you can see you're not alone. There's a lot of people who let people are like, no, I go, you're not alone. But I feel like a lot of people, uh, you know, may think that they're diagnosed with depression or whatever and and, and may not be like they may just be sad yeah like how do you how do you how do you figure that out like do you go to a doctor like how do you like, of course yeah. you you would go see a psychiatrist so you can get properly diagnosed and a lot of people don't even understand the difference between a psychiatrist and a therapist a therapist will do talk therapy with you and other types of therapy but they cannot prescribe medication a psychiatrist actually goes to medical school like any kind of medical doctor and what I tell people because a lot of like parents sometimes say oh my teen is you know going through something they're so sad all the time but they don't know if they're really depressed or if they're if it's just their hormones and they're acting out so mental health and behavioral health as I said early it's based around behavioral patterns so you might have a bad day you may have a traumatic experience that triggers something for you and you may be sad for a couple of weeks but it's, a, it's about the prolonged, you know, length of time. Like, are you at a point where you physically cannot get out of bed, where that depression sure. is now becoming debilitating? And so a week turns into a month, a month turns into six months and then into a year. I mean, I've seen people who like 
when they say they physically can't get out of bed, they can't. Like when I was going through my depression, I didn't want to open the blinds. You know, I was under the covers. Oh, all the time. I didn't want to go see friends. You know, I started drinking a little bit more heavily at home. And alcohol is already a depressant. So you have to look at the period of time that you're experiencing these symptoms. And that's how the psychiatrist is able to kind of properly diagnose based on the signs and symptoms. Do you believe that there's a difference in depression from when you're well off to when you're not? Oh, no, I don't think um, it's based on, you know, your socioeconomic status or how many dollar signs you got, you know, behind your name. or Because you can figure sometimes people... Forget like their problems when they oh, get a yeah, little bit of money. Yeah, and I've heard people say, "Oh, you got money. What do you need to be depressed yeah. about?" Or your family's this family. You know, they can open all kind of doors for you. But what at the end of the day, people are people, and everybody got some of the same issues and same problems, no matter what color you are and no matter how much money you make. Now, with silence to shame, like where could people like go check it out? Like, could they how could they get involved in what you're doing? So, because- our website is silencetoshame.com. We produce a lot of panel discussions all across the country. We just did one in New York this week on music and mental health with Music Cares, and we had um, Blue Williams, you know, music manager Joy Brown from Atlantic, Dave Lighty, um, rest in peace to the late Chris Lighty, um, and we had Charlemagne shout from the to Breakfast Charlemagne. Club. Yeah, shout to Charlemagne because he's always talking about mental health. So. Go check us out on our website. Get involved. Um, I also want to, you know, let you know that, you know, we have our own day now. May 5th is National Silence to Shame Day, and May is Mental Health Awareness Month. See, I never even knew that. So it's like, you know, that's why I love, uh, you know, finding out new things. Like, I never knew May was Mental Health uh, Month. I never knew that. I mean, every day is... uh, It goes with any holiday, and it's beautiful. Like, you know, it's like, obviously, Mother's Day, you, you know... Got to be a mom every day, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But, you know, that one day you're going to show out, you know, cook out, uh, get a gift. And, and it, sometimes it's a reason for Hallmark cards to be sold, you know. Yeah. They figured a way to get in the game. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's great to see, you know, that there's a month dedicated to that. Because I'll be honest with you, like I said, when you were just speaking about your depression, I've, I've been there many different times. I've learned, and thank God, I've put a, like a threshold in my life where I know I sometimes I go under the covers, you know, but I realize I can't stay there long. That's right. And, uh, you know, it's okay to... Uh, so, wait. So, yeah. really quickly. So, you, you said uh, sometimes I know I can't stay there that long. So, when you feel like you can't control that emotion, when you can't get out of the bed on your own, that's when you need to go to the doctor. Uh, yeah, yeah. You need to yeah. see somebody. And that's just, see, thank God and uh, that I, I didn't get there. Right. Um, but anybody who's listening or knows of somebody that has... Uh, you know, or is going through that, you know, mm-hmm. suggest, uh, you know, that's the thing too. A lot of friends don't realize they're, they're not therapists. You can't help everyone. A lot of people, you know, I had to explain this to my mother, uh, you know, my brother-in-law passed away from, uh, drugs. Mm-hmm. wouldn't stop doing drugs. wouldn't stop, wouldn't stop. And, and, and people don't understand addictions is not your, you know, uh, halt of being able to stop something. You know, people right. are like, I wish I could talk to him. He wouldn't listen to me. People have their own it's demons an and their own d- depressions and their own, you know, you know, illness and addictions that they deal with. That's right. And, uh, you know, it's tough. So I would say uh, recommend to get a therapist, uh, you know, get some help, uh, you know, check out Silence to Shame. Uh, you know, I, now they have panels all over. Like, you know, is yeah, it- we do panels all across the country. We also have a podcast. Real, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you, we got you, a podcast. Look at you. You stepped into the podcast. I game. know. I mean, I don't have as many as you do. We got 23 episodes up, but we, we you know, we cover everything from borderline personality disorder. Um, we, we, you know, we have some on faith and behavioral health because a lot of people, you know, when you talk about mental health, they think you can just pray it away. And that's not to knock your faith at all. I think it's not a either 
you know, either or type situation. Um, but we cover a lot of different topics, depression, anxiety. We interview celebrities and so forth. So and it's you and, uh, and co-host? And my co-host, Free Division. Shout out to Free Division. Yep, shout out Free Division and, and my other team in Proportion in the building. So we do a lot. Um, we also offer, a lot of people don't know about mental health first aid training. You know how you can get CPR training? Yeah, there's such a there's a thing called mental health first aid training. It's like an eight hour course and it kind of takes you through a lot of the signs and symptoms and treatment um, for different mental illnesses. And it's just good for family members to be trained um, with other loved ones that might be going through something. And we shoot content. We have a lot of like teen content that we're working on and shooting now. And I've done work with the NBA, with the NFL Players Association, because a lot of those guys, you know, you see more celebrities and athletes opening up and sharing now. Sure, sure. And it's more about wellness, right? Yeah. It's about taking care of yourself. And so our organization is just trying to normalize the conversation and and break down the barriers and help to erase stigma. What about uh, prisons? Uh, do you guys are talking. So to we prisons? haven't done anything yet. It's interesting you said that. I had a conversation a couple months ago. With the rapper Common. I'm mm-hmm. shout out to Common. Just Common. And he was doing a lot of work in the prisons last summer. And he was saying the one thing that, you know, st- stood out to him is every time he left a prison, he was like, yo, these guys need mental health help, right? They need to be rehabilitated in a different way. They need therapy. You know, some of them may need, you know, real medication and treatment to help them. And so, we're hoping that we can do some work with him. And I even want to shoot a documentary um, because when you look at a, the violence that's happening in a lot of our communities, so many of our young children are experiencing, you know, that trauma from the violence that's turning into PTSD. And then as a result, they're acting out, you know, through the anger and so sure. forth. So it's a lot of education that needs to happen in our communities. You know, you're responsible uh, for a lot of big acts in the music world. Um, you know, back then when they, they were signing them, did you ever witness any signs of mental health? But because, like, you know, the label was just trying to, like, maybe have shows that they just swept it under the rug. Do you ever feel like you've seen any of that? So, um, I don't know for sure about any specific artists that I work with. But when I look at the music industry overall and now knowing what I know about behavioral health and different mental health diagnoses, like, yeah, I recognize that in a lot of artists. And I just don't think the labels are equipped, you know, to handle it. You know, even the panel that we did this week in New York, listening to some of the artists talk about it, they don't know. You know, there are no in-house therapists. Even the HR departments may not know. You know, shout out to Music Harris, which is the foundation of the Recording Academy, you know, and the Grammys. And they've done a lot of work in the past around addiction, And yes, addiction and mental health go hand in hand, but I think now Music Cares is putting more of a focus, you know, around overall mental health and being able to provide therapists for any artists or creatives that might need it. But I just think it's it's, it's a lack of education. The art, the labels just don't get it or they don't understand or they're like, you know, they families need to handle that. That's why you're here. You, you know, you walked away from a lot of probably big checks. Do you miss those uh, checks? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I don't want to count you. No, right. the crazy I'm being, thing I'm is being, like uh, when I walked away, I was like, yo, I got a fucking phone bill now. Yo, I didn't have a phone <laughs> bill for like 20 years. I was like, well, what that's is right, this? What, the what am I supposed to do with this? You got to you gotta put your own card and up I now for that, for that uh, salmon. Yo, I had an endless expense account, but, um, you know, it, it humbles you <laughs> and puts things into perspective. I'd be lying if I said I didn't miss those checks. And... Um, I'm mad at myself that I probably didn't 
better, you know, yeah. spend those checks. But, but you're bigger than money, man. Yeah, you know, like you I'm do, at a point now doing where is, yeah. life to me is about experiences, yeah. right? And so now I'm speaking on the side, you know, getting some, getting my paper up some more. But I like to travel. Yeah. You know, I just want to take trips and help people. Yeah, that's it. That's a beautiful thing. Do you, do you think that food contributes to uh, mental health issues? Yeah, a lot. Of, it's a lot of you are what you eat. You really? Know? Oh my gosh! Yeah, certain foods, could, you know, can put you in um, a depressed state, if you will. That's why you shouldn't eat so late at night, where you can't digest the food um, properly. Um, other foods, you know, can give you more energy, right? And 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 get your endorphins going, just like exercise can. So I would suggest, you know, talking to, you know. A dietitian or a nutritionist who can help you, you know, learn about what foods um, can help you feel better from a mental health perspective. You think like uh, certain foods or diets could like, you know, be heal, heal like medicine? You know, do you think like that? I don't know the research in that space, yeah. so I really can't answer that question. But I do, you know, I hear a lot of advocates talking about, you know, you are what you eat. And, oh, I that's certain, why, yeah. and even for me, like I know when I eat too many burgers and fries, like I feel awful. It even puts me in a depressed mood because I feel so full. Um, and so that's why, you know, I'm trying to, I am not where I need to be, yeah. but I'm trying to work that's all right. on that's know, right. you know, my I'm... own diet. And, and exercise is important, though, too. Now, that has been proven scientifically to help that when you work out and you get your endorphins going, it puts you automatically in, in a, a better, better mood. mood. Smile. Yeah. We listen, all you got to do is sometimes smile, too. That shit's infectious. But like yoga, a lot yeah. of people do meditation. It's a lot of good apps out, like Headspace. I'm, learn, I'm learning. I'm learning. Now. I'm learning. I actually am learning. I'm, I'm a stubborn Brooklyn kid, so I, I'm not used to all these things. I, you know, I went to this uh, gym last night, uh, and they have like a, a hot yoga. And I was like, I, I think back to the youngest <laughs> my. I think back of my youngest self. I was like, like I, I never pictured doing this, but you got to be open minded. You, you got to change. Be. You know, I don't want to be that. You know, that's the only thing I hate about sometimes broken. You know, guys. You know, holding our holding our fucking pants and up against the wall <laughs> like some tough guys. Like, yeah. go 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 enjoy yourself. Yeah, go chill out. Like for me too. The crazy thing is, you know, my dad being from India, I used to hear about yoga, but I thought yoga was corny. And my name actually means peace in India, so really? I got to go to India. Shanti. Yeah, Shanti yeah. means peace. So when wow. people be in yoga, they be like, Om Shanti Shanti. I'm like. Why was I so afraid to figure that out and to get into it? But I got a chance to go to India for the first time in November and learn about the culture. So, like, I enjoy yoga. It actually puts me really in a calm place and state. And it's a good way to kind of, like, you know, mellow out your feelings. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm messing with it. I'm messing with the 85 degrees hot yoga. Uh, I think Bikram yoga is hot, too. Hey, That's listen, a form of it. Yeah. I'm going to get with it. How was uh, Outcast, man? I mean, you're from ATL. The They're new- good. I was just actually with the guys. Well, with Big Boy. Yeah, Andre, they don't tour Dungeon, together. Yeah. Why, why don't they tour together? I think Andre has just reached a point where, you know, he recognized that that was a wonderful moment in time. But, you know, I don't know that he wants to be, you know, rapping at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not I've to heard say, that before. Not to say I heard he couldn't. Because he's of course, still yeah, extremely of course. talented. But, um, but he's good. You know, he's, I know he was doing some acting at a time. Um, yeah, he just walks around New York City. You know what I mean? Like he people, does. He's, just he's like, a regular yeah, guy. Yeah, he just walks around. But he still three stacks. Oh, like, yeah, oh, people, yeah, most you definitely. Know, people are in awe of him. And Big Boy, too. I mean, you know, I still talk to Big Boy on a regular basis and, and check in with Dre, but they're good. I mean, growing up in Atlanta, was there anybody you worked with 
that you again like the intern moment I was asking you mm-hmm. now switch that back to like where you like I grew up in Atlanta and I think about how much you know you had your hand in, in, in voice into shape what ATL music was not only ATL music so mm-hmm. j- just world music you know what mm-hmm. I mean think about Outkast from Atlanta you know what yeah. I mean and uh, even for me like I felt like Goody Mob you know I yeah. went to high school with those guys yeah. and to kind of see where they were able to evolve and I really feel like they were ahead of their time because to me, Goody Mob could really fit into sure. what's going on right now with a lot of our political issues. Um, but just being in awe of those guys, kind of seeing, you know, what they've done. And even you mentioned Babyface earlier, like to see what he's still been able to do and how he's been able to still produce and, and, and be a singer and songwriter, you know, and be at the top of his craft. Sometimes I still pinch myself, you know, that I worked with him and I call him Kenny. I don't call him Babyface, you mm, know, mm. so I'm like. It's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful moment to know that, yeah, you know. Well, it's also beautiful to, you know, and I think this is the most important thing that people could understand about, uh, you know, life today is relationships. Mm. And I think so many people uh, are quick to ruin them. I speak to a lot of younger kids and I try to help them understand. You cannot burn bridges. I I try to explain like, yo, even if you you don't fuck with somebody all the time, still, you know, uh, uh, you know, don't, a lot of people are ready to close the door on Mm. people. Uh, for reasons that don't need to be. Exactly. You never know when you need somebody. And at the end of the day, I really think, you know, and... And, and how about your, just yeah. fucking being nice to people? Of course. That probably sounds crazy because I said fucking no, being it, nice it, to it's, people. It's, it's right. No, no. That's no. real. Like, why you got to be mean? Why are you mad at me, mother? Here's, here's, here's the better one. And I tell people this. Uh, some people ask, well, how do you do this? How could you do this? How could you do this? You know, most of it, honestly, and I don't say this a lot, but is is, is don't be a dick. Right. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, have certain ways about them are tough to deal with, tough to work mm-hmm. with. Uh, you know, I'm sure you know the labels when you get oh people who are tough to work with and, and, and all this me? it just starts axing things away and, and, and it becomes less lucrative for, you know, for that person. What That's, about? What, well, let me just add something to that. That's why I love a market like Atlanta. Because artists support artists. Yeah. You know, like, shout out to David Banner, yeah. you know, Killer Mike, T.I., yeah. you know, those guys, like, they show a lot of love. They show up for each other. And support and each other. It, that's what it should be about. And the Atlanta music community was like that, you know, whether, because, you know, L.A. Reid opened the door to a lot of those producers, like Dallas Austin, you know, getting yeah. a shot from L.A., Jermaine Dupree getting his shot, Shakespeare, like, all those guys, you know, they're all still close. And it's like a family in Atlanta, so. Jagged you know, Edge. Yeah, jagged edge, yeah. And there was so much, man, so much music came out of Atlanta, man. So much. And now, obviously, it's still, you know, the place for hip-hop, but, you know, I done kind of aged out. Yeah. I don't want to be the trap grandmama, so, you know. <laughs> trap mama. I just know the, the beats. I don't really know all the artists like I used to. You know, uh, so so you're also, obviously, in the last time you uh, we sat down with each other, uh, with uh, Reg, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you're a book, so you're an author. Yep. Uh, you, you know, Silence to Shame, The Movement, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's so much more just really putting people on to... Uh, you know, helping them with mental health, depression, suicide, mm-hmm. and, and 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 you know, with suicide, have you seen from what you've been doing? Have you seen a lot of like uh, uh, people appreciating the knowledge and? Oh God, you know? yeah. Like the the thing that's fulfilling for me because you never know who you're touching or in what way, right? But I get a lot of private DM messages. Or even random people that will post and tag me saying, you know, you don't know how much, you know, your podcast has helped me out or you opening up and sharing about your own suicidal ideation has prompted me to go to therapy. That shit is like winning the lottery to me. True. Because you are able to deeply affect people in a way that hopefully will better their lives. And so... 
Have you had those thoughts in a while? Have you, had the, have you had thoughts like suicidal thoughts? No, like I'm grateful to say that. When you, when you were younger, did you? Um, did you ever? So when I was younger, I was always afraid that I would have those thoughts because my father took For his sure. own life, which is why I worked so hard to kind of bury. Sure. I, didn't, I mean, what I were you doing? I didn't allow myself to to feel anything kind of other than happy. I just put myself in this bubble and space, and I was like, I'm not even going to address those thoughts and concerns, but. Of course, you know, 2015 was a really dark year for me, and I'm proud to say that I don't have those thoughts, but, you know, I just lost my sister two weeks ago, yeah. and she was like a Rest mother. Rest in peace. Thank you. Rest in peace, Anjali Maria Arnold. Um, she was like a mother figure to me and just instilled so much in me, so I'm kind of going through a tough place right now, and I've had some dark nights, but not thoughts of suicide. You know, she had just gotten her master's to become a therapist as well, um, just because, you know, we have some other family members that have had their challenges. And I just want to keep this work going for her. But I say all that to say I'm starting grief counseling next week because I know I need I can't do this. Sure, sure, absolutely. This is a profound loss and indescribable grief. You know, my team that's here with me, I'm you know, we're at lunch and. I just started crying uncontrollably, yeah. you know, and so I know I can't get through this on my own. Doing this work, sure, I sure. know I need help. And that's, and that's and powerful so, that you know that. Yeah, and like, you, and or else you, yeah. I might be back in that situation, and I don't want to have that suicidal ideation anymore, but I know I need the help, yeah. and so I'm starting. Hey, know. listen, you know, I mean, look, you know, I mean, you know, grew up without pops and, every, and, and, and you know, what he did, we'll never know why, but uh, I'm sure, you know, He's looking down proud of you that you are. Uh, now he's got my sister, so hopefully they yeah, both. Yeah. You know. Well, now that you know, and they get a chance to learn a little bit more about what you're doing, doing, you know, and and catch up. But more importantly, it's just think about it, you know. And and sometimes our lives are so busy, we don't we don't do that, you know. You lost your pops like that, mm -hmm. and then you start, you know, this company which brings knowledge mm -hmm. and help mm -hmm. and 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 and. And so much, you know, the real shit in life. Right. You know, I tell people all the time, like, you know, like it's the little things in life that'll mean the most. Mm. People always look for uh, the big moment. The big moment comes and goes. Mm. And then it's like, you know, I know tons of rich people who are unhappy. And, and, and unhappy. Yeah. yeah. And people don't again. understand that. And trinkets yeah. don't make you happy. No. I used to think that they did. But life is about family or who you choose to call family because family doesn't always have to mean that they're blood relatives. But it's the people that you choose to call family. It's about experiences. It's Friends about become family. Absolutely. And it's about seeing people as humans. You know, we grow up in bubbles and, you know, I think we see so much racism happening in our country, you know, for obvious reasons. Sure. I won't say <laughs> certain people's names. Trumpito. But um, I feel like we are very unkind to one another as humans. Yeah. We see so much violence. We see short tempers. You know, we see, you know just you know the i don't know it's almost like we some people want to go back in the segregation days now like why can't we live amongst one another and the one thing that i love is i, I said i love to travel so the more i travel around the world i see that we're more alike than different mm. but we're still hung up on skin color and how much money sure. we make it's like that none of that shit matters because guess yeah. what at the end of the day and i i've really felt this like you know, my sister's family, they've done well for themselves. But, you know, I looked at her house and I looked in her closet. And I was like, you can't take that shit with you when you're gone. When you're gone, you're gone. So, like, we got to really, like, people wake up. Realize what matters in life because every day is not promise. We could walk out this building right now and 
God forbid, get hit by a bus. And I can't take none of that shit at my crib with me. So you want to be able to treat people with respect, enjoy your life as best as you can. You know, these songs come out, hashtag living your best life, scrolling through people's timeline. A lot of that's bullshit because it's all based on like false gods and things you're looking up to. Like, it's like, stop and breathe and take a look at what really matters. Even walking outside, being able to recognize a beautiful flower or a beautiful tree or going to the ocean and taking it all in, like learn to enjoy life. Cause we go so fast, so hard. Hashtag team no sleep, and ain't nothing sexy about that. Yeah, shit. yeah. I'm learning. Listen, for a long time, uh, and I sometimes learn still to do. enjoy life. I'm learning. I used to put late nights, early mornings, and I still do. Sometimes it I'm happens. I'm not saying but don't work no, no, hard, but and I know entrepreneurs. You got to go hard, but you also got to schedule time with yourself. I tell people, self care is a huge part of taking control of your mental health. So just like you got a Google Calendar, you know. If there's a meeting here, a conference call here, an interview here, the next hour is going to be a Shanti meeting. I'm scheduling time for me. Or if I had a family, I would schedule time in for my family. Because what I do understand is my brother-in-law said it best, like, you can't get back time. And I have no regrets that when my sister was here, we spent quality time together. Mm. We did shit. We have memories. I got pictures for days. Some people lose relatives and loved ones and they look and they go, I don't have anything to show for it because it was so I was so busy just focusing on me. So, you know, take a step back and, and, and learn what's important. And I wasn't always trying to be this wise chick. I learned a lot of this from you know, from my family. Sure. You know, so take time to respect your family members and listen to what they're trying to tell you. You might actually learn a thing or two. Sure. Listen, uh, dropping gems, you know, it's we, we, we could sit here forever and go over your, uh, you know, uh, music career and uh, so many things. I love what you're doing. You know, like, you know, we don't, we don't talk all the time, uh, but, uh, you know. I from, was so from, honored, though, that you reached out yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, well, like, well, I was well, so well, happy yeah. to get that. Well, when message. knowing that you were in New York and, 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 you know, there's a list of people that, you know, I would be willing to sit down. I just don't sit down with anybody. I don't ever, I mean, people know, you know, who listen to the show, you know, I don't just be like, Hey, I need someone on the show this week. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I pick mm-hmm. and I've been, I'm thankful and grateful that it's people who I want to sit down with because they have a message. I'm not just trying. It's not for me. It's like for somebody listening to this and, and, and it hits home for me because I talk about depression all the time. I talk about, uh, uh, you know, different, you know, getting through that. And, you know, there was times where I've been in my DMs where people hit me and, you know, it starts to get serious, like yeah. where they were like, hey, I feel like killing myself. And I was like, look, I want you to call this number. That's right. 1-800-273-TALK. Because I can't go that far for you. But there's times where I jumped on the call people and just from people like, oh, shit, like you're on the phone with me? And I'm like, yeah, man, who cares about that? What's going on with you? You know, And I try to do that. So having you on that is really trailblazing this type of stuff. And, you know, music industry is sexy and it's cool, the things you did. And, 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 but this is, this is what I really like, you know? Thank you. So, you know, now where could the, with the, with the book, where could they find everything? So uh, I have a book called Silencing My Shame, which I'm relaunching with two chapters. You can get it on my website, www.shantidas.biz. And also um, follow us on Instagram at Silence the Shame. We post a lot of helpful information. Um, we do like Silence the Shame self-care Saturdays and a bunch of other events. So, you know, follow us, you know, listen to our podcast, learn as much as you can and and don't hold that information. Make sure you share it and use the hashtag Silence the Shame and 
just don't be afraid to, you know, get help if you need it. People sure. got to be okay with not being okay sure. sometimes. Listen, uh, take care of yourself, you know, for first and foremost. Impress yourself. That's right. Um, and, and, and never forget to not only, you know, silence the shame, the depression, and dealing with, you know, stuff like this. Never forget that Shanti Das is somebody who uh, went from an internship to executive <laughs> vice president in the music industry. It's not an easy task in the heydays of music business. And more importantly, to be honest with you, this shit is real inspiring because you know, uh, putting whatever you, you know, putting all your, you know, your, your effort to, to, to elevate is not easy. Like, you know, it sounds, sounds, it sounds easy, you know what I mean? But it's not easy. So make sure you check out, uh, Silence of Shame, Shanti Daz. What are you on Instagram? Shanti Daz. S Shanti Daz 404. That's S-H-A-N-T-I. D-A-S 404 was that uh, Atlanta Atlanta Erico okay, yeah okay. I'm ATL, ATL, ATL. <laughs> ATL shots of Magic City best shrimp in the game uh, Antoinette Shanti does peace thank you Antoinette if you enjoyed that episode then hit me up that's right email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com again that's thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com if you're an advertiser any big company small company startup Whatever it is, you want to advertise on the Premium Peep Show, hit me up. Email thepremiumpeepshow at gmail.com, and we'll, we'll get to working, okay? And if you have a suggestion or you want to hear a certain guest on the show, whatever it is, okay? You know, you could at Premium Pete, at Premium Peep Show on Twitter or Instagram, or for the last time I'll tell you, well, I'm not gonna, it's not the last time, email me, thepremiumpeepshow at gmail.com, and let's get to working. Cheers.